0: Hello and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and my most controversial opinion is that cats are overrated. Today I'm chatting with Azla Bullet who is a Development Production Manager at Industrial Brothers here in Toronto. She's going to share more of the fancy dancy business side of animation, as well as the ins and outs of what she does as a development production manager and her extremely interesting career journey from studying film production in Turkey, all the way to moving here to Canada to pursue it professionally. So without further ado, let's just jump in. Hello, Ashley. How How's your evening going?
1: It's good. Thank you so much for having me in this podcast. I'm very excited and nervous a little bit because... Before I'm a guest, I was an avid listener of this podcast, so be here as a guest is kind of thrilling for me, so <laughs> I'm well, so excited.
0: I am also thrilled, also because we met in real life at a Taffy conference, and uh, then we decided to do this, and here we are finally doing this, so I'm excited to chat, and also I think you're going to bring a unique perspective of the development side of things, and production side of things, and business side of things, that a lot of animators don't typically think about and yes. um you know I, I think you can add a lot of value there but let's start with where you know where did things start from you because for you because you came from turkey and now you're in toronto mm-hmm. other than uh tea and the commonality of those two things how did you end up here
1: well um it's not a long story but a story that I love to tell. So when I was in a university, I studied uh, in Ankara Bilkant University. I studied communication and design. I went to Erasmus che- Exchange at Bournemouth University. They have very well-known like film uh, department there. And I had a class there about like film industry in Northern America. And my teacher said that, well, everybody thinks that Hollywood is where you should go, but actually Canada is Hollywood North and their film industry is very promising you should consider about that. I'm like, and I love that idea. First of all, I know French as well. So I was like, okay, that's going to be a very easy adaptation to a foreign country that I'm planning to live and do my job. Second, they close the hole with Nord, So it's not in States, is in Canada. I love it. So I start to see my options at my senior year. And I came across with a program at Centennial College called Film and TV Business. So this is, I think very unusual to say, but I always interested in the business side of film and TV, not the art, not the set, not the lights, but the money, how you make money, how it becomes so popular, how you can actually become cult and people keep spending money on your idea. So I was like, I specifically wanna learn how to do that. So this program was perfect for it. I learned how to do tax credits, how to apply uh, funds in um, Canada, Uh, how you advocate for the artists, staff, crew on your set, how become like a producer, but a leader that very compassionate, inclusive, and most of all, like activist. So I love my entire nine months in that program. And when I, before I finished it, I actually landed my very first job. Uh, It happens very unconventional, but again, after an advice I got from alumni, she said, it's a very interesting country, country you'll see, you never know when you're going to find your first gig. I was broke. And my family said that, Asli, you're by yourself, you know, after six months, you need to figure it out. I applied every single job position in the neighborhood I'm living in, like in terms of ice cream parlors, yoga uh, studios as a receptionist, none of them hired me. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden I said, okay, I'm coming from a very big family with very little cousins and I'm very good with kids. I think I, I babysit. So I create a profile on a website, says that this is my name. I'm only babysitting people who work film and TV. That was the ad I put. <laughs> and a couple of days later, my first boss reached out to me and said that, I think you're perfect for us because i'm working on film and tv i have a son and we like to meet with you and i went to their house and just because i'm gonna like take care of their kids they asked a bunch of questions and then answered that end, they say okay perfect we'll keep in touch two days later i uh, receive a phone call my boss is like to be uh calling me asked me to come to his office and pick up a key and i was thinking that they probably gonna give me the key for their place but he hired me as his visual effects assistant. He what? said that I I'm really impressed with your like story. And your you said that you know how to do tax credit. We need know someone to do that. So this is how I land my very first job before I finished my school. And after I graduated from Centennial, I kept working there until pandemic hit. Wow. Uh, when the pandemic mm. hit, the like live action was halted. And unfortunately, we all got laid off. Um, That moment in my life was very stressful because I was about to complete my immigration process and become permanent resident. And the most important thing, you should have a job. And I didn't have one. So what I did is I met someone a couple of years ago during Taffy, actually at the conference, a lady who really liked my scarf and I got her email address then. And I just send a cold email to her and say that, hey, pandemic got me thinking, I think I should go to animation. This is actually how I felt. It was just the moment that I need to do something. And she got back to me and say that, you know what? We actually have an opening position. Would you like to have an interview? So I finished my first job on a Friday and starting the next one in animation on Monday. So it was so stressful, but I had to do what I gotta do. And I start learning as I'm adapting the new company that I never met anyone in person. And something magical happened. I was listening to your podcast my entire like career because I was doing overtime a lot. I was too tired to read anything or watch anything. So I listened as I work over like uh, overtime. I learned so many people working in so many different uh, position in this industry I already know. And all of a sudden, when I started my new company, I heard my, now, today's boss, like, voice on the podcast. And I learned about his story from your podcast. I'm like, this is amazing. I know these people, even I haven't met them in person. So this is how I ended up in this industry and kept working. And last year, I become, actually in September, become a development production manager at Industrial Brother. And here I am. That's my story. How oh, I ended up here.
0: Um, wow. I'm. I, I feel like I need a moment to process. Of <laughs> yeah. uh, first of all, I think it's amazing that this podcast helps you, but also oh, yeah. the crazy coincidences that uh, got you here. So you decided to babysit, but only film people as you're yes. in, and then your boss didn't even say what he was hiring for you for you just showed up and he's like here's a job as an assistant
1: well i i think he was hiring for nanny and he also needed an assistant um and it's crazy in me and i'm like yeah i mean and that's another like funny detail about that that studio work was working on handmaid's tale yeah. and i was reading the book on the way to canada at plane and i love that book so much when he told me that my first gig will be visual Effect system for handmade still i <laughs> almost had a heart attack like it was <laughs> such a beautiful coincidence like you said i felt like i am belong this industry and i want to do something good in this industry from this- that
0: your story honestly feels like a TV show or something, you know, like showed up to babysit and then works at a film company. (laughs) And then like somebody likes you're wearing a cute scarf or somebody's a scarf leads you to the next job too. Like, it's crazy, but like, okay. So it, from my perspective, it sounds like you're following your intuition a lot with your career. Would you say that's true?
1: So I think my superpower and, um, I think it's very important, anyone who's working in production or a leader role, I listen a lot. Yes. I listen to people I met. I pay attention to details and I remember those, those details and then I follow my intuition. But the mm. first thing is I actively listen anyone I my path crossed in this industry to benefit my career. So yeah. then I follow my intuition. I feel like that's missing for most of the people and they're losing a lot there. You really wanna talk about yourself and pitch yourself or your ideas, but anything makes your point stronger and more um, like not realistic but memorable is if you listen the other person and then react to it. Hmm. I would say I trust my intuition, but before I listen everyone, I met and get to know them.
0: I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm wondering, you know, practically speaking, how do you also, you, you know, you listened, you use your intuition for what the right connection is for what it might be, but how do you also get that person to trust you, you know, like to show up and to babysit and to be an assistant and then this lady two years later, etc., and also to work your way up in the roles you have. I feel like you need a lot of, trust from the like build trust from the other person too that they would give you that chance because people are bombarded all the time with you know do you have a job can I work here blah 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 like why have you stood out do you think so cases
1: um I always try to be authentic like I never hide my background I never uh, make my name easy to pronounce I introduce myself Asla and if anyone having a hard time, then I say, you can call me Ashley too, but you know, it's Asla. So I think people trust people who doesn't have any problem to put themselves forward hmm. because it puts you in a very vulnerable position. Uh, and they want to look at you and see if there's something wrong with you. And eventually they realize this person is actually listening to you and try to solve your problem. That's how I trust, uh, how I built trust. Yeah. Um, I also try to understand what's the other person most,, um, not not I don't want to say fear, but something they're hiding, but that they really want to say something. I encourage them to do that. because what I realize in this industry, diversity is actually our strength. If I have a team that everyone have confidence, and feel calm to express themselves we always produce something valuable and irreplaceable irre- to be honest yeah i think when i encourage people to do that that's also built a trust and sometimes when they want to went i again sit down and listen to listen to them wenting i think that's also forced their trust towards me
0: yeah i mean this is making sense so when you meet somebody you uh, prioritize listening to them and mm-hmm. showing your confidence of who you are as yes. well, which makes you memorable. I think that makes sense. I mean, here we are chatting from, when did we meet? Like October last year or
1: something? Yes, at Tuffy, And I <laughs> literally walked to my colleague Joel and say, I know Terry, I'm following him. I know his podcast. Please introduce him to." <laughs> That's how we met, exactly. Well, here
0: we are. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. And also I feel very humbled that, you would want to meet me as well oh, yeah.
1: i like the podcast
0: <laughs> me too great oh my gosh i don't even know what to say i should just let you talk I actually your...
1: watch you doing um silly wizard ducks pitching on tuppy yeah. that was the tuppy i met uh the lady who likes my scarf oh same no time. way Interesting. Yes. same time yeah
0: uh i i don't remember any star- scarves from that day. Yeah. that's happy honestly for me it was a blur because i was so nervous about presenting the whole day like i know i met a lot of people but i don't really remember anybody because <laughs> my brain was just that's like right. i was just like sweating the whole day and just being like oh i hope i'm not like super gross when i get up on stage at the end of this <laughs> it's um
1: really okay. to a lot of people yes yeah
0: i mean i i really think it takes a lot of confidence uh, to live in one country and then learn about another country and be like, I want to go there. I, that's something I actually struggle with. Like I really, really f- find that my home base is kind of in here in Canada. And like, I, I've never really considered moving away to find work. And so I think that's really, I think that's a, that's really cool that you did that.
1: Well, um, I ha- have to do that. I own um, to that to myself, my yeah. little origin. I, I, I was always like sassy. Not many people liked it. They tried to change it too, yeah. to be honest. But I'm glad I didn't because otherwise I wouldn't end it up here or yeah. having this podcast. Yeah, That's why I like to encourage anyone who listen to me. If you feel your heart seeks anything, you should follow that. and if it's your career well you're one of the luckiest person on this earth because you're doing and making money what you like
0: totally yeah Yeah. I think that's a really important point if your heart wants to do something you should follow it and I have to tell myself that all the time there's so many things that I want to do that I'm too I'm like oh it's too much work or like I won't do this I won't win or I won't get it and then the things that I do put effort into then they seem to work out great um just a little bit of backtrack I'm wondering If you were taking a film production course in Turkey, Mm -hmm. why didn't you pursue film production in Turkey then?
1: So uh, when I was studying in university, it was a very um, rough time in terms of political turmoil. We were hitting by ISIS a lot. Mm. I witnessed a military coup and a bunch of other awful things, morbid things that I never wished anyone to witness. Um, at one point I was looking at myself and said, I'm not, I, I'm not able to do my job in this country because entertainment business is getting hit hard every time something very bad happens and keep happening. On top of that, being a woman in Turkey and a work in film and TV is very hard, very tough. It's very masculine dominated, uh, industry. And I know it would be way too hard for me to survive there because i cannot hold back and uh, that w- wouldn't working out for me which happened many times when i was doing the internship um, mm. but i went to one interview to give it a chance and at the end of that interview i made my mind and said that i need to go global i need to drown in a big ocean if i want to be if i want to do this job and that was my push to like, okay, you got to go to North America. It's going to be, it, it was tough, by the way. Like when we're telling the stories, it's like movies. People think that there was no hard days. No, there were hard days. When I came to Canada, the college went strike for five weeks, for example. It was <laughs> such a big shock for me. I'm like, they were asking me to hitting the library when I paying thousands of dollars for a program. There was times that I suffer from vitamin D uh, deficiency because I'm coming from a very sunny country and Canada is very cold and doesn't have a sun for a very long time during the year, things like that. But none of them is, it, it, you can you can figure it out. And that's the beauty of the adventure. Whoever's asked me that, how is moving to Canada? I was like, like an amusement park. I've been in the many roller coasters up and down but I enjoy every single ride that's why I stayed there and didn't want to go or at at the moment don't want to go back to Turkey to do my job
0: interesting so now you know it's it's I really like reflecting myself on where I've come from and whatnot how does it feel now that you know you've been in the senior role for a little bit now and sharing your story from you know it sounds like there's a lot of uh, barriers and roadblocks in Turkey to pursuing the thing you wanted to do there, and then coming here and dealing with all these mishaps and going this crazy sitcom route. Like, how does it? How does it feel now? You know.
1: So I really enjoy and kind of pat on my back. That's also very important. I want to tell everyone that you should <laughs> like sometimes congrats yourself and celebrate it. I'm celebrating what I ended up after seven years. Like, oh, yeah. not seven. Sorry six years that I've been moving here. Um, and what is the best thing about to be in that position? People see my name and they realize that's not a Canadian name, comes to me, especially immigrants around the world and ask me that, what should they do in order to end it up like that? And I always tell them my story, but being honest about how hard it gets. And I'm telling that I'm hearing you and I'm feeling you how hard for you too but i try to say that find a way make make it work because you on to that to yourself
0: no i think that answers my question perfectly you know sharing your story uh, is exactly one of the big reasons why i have this podcast it's you know i was obsessed with figuring out how other people did it and you know finding out that information is so tough and just grounding The stories and making it real, and and also you know sharing the hardships you have to go through, and it just helps people not feel alone. So at least for me. So and like
1: again, no one's story, even the most successful person you think, has very interesting details in their story. I try to be honest about that. I want to say that I babysit to land this position. (laughs) I want to I'm wearing a scarf, (laughs) and someone give me their email. Like it's small coincidence but this is how it works actually there's no secret
0: well yeah it's coincidences but you also were pushing yourself into these scenarios and you know your confidence to go forward and uh, everything you gave up and moving here and going through all these hardships leads you to do I mean not crazy but crazy things like sign up for babysitting for film people because like you've tried all the other avenues so and hey what if, if that didn't work, it would have been something else, you know, because you were pushing to to make it happen. Um, I think that's super interesting. You know, I also wanted to chat about your I think it's interesting that you have a love for the business side of film and animation specifically, because a lot of people who get into this industry, you know, their their instigating moment was seeing cartoons as a kid and being like, oh, this is real. I can make this happen and then wanting to do it. But you you are more into the numbers and you know, how to make, how to, you know, sell ideas and stuff. So why can you talk a little bit about what really excites you about production and developments?
1: Absolutely. So my fascination to film and TV also starts uh, with a movie that I watched when I was uh, very little. I don't even remember the memory. My mom told me that I was five apparently and Pinocchio was on um, the theaters, but the live action, gothic one. Like, so it's not problem mm. for the kids. So when we were watching it, when the whale opened its mouth and we see the Pinocchio and Gepetto walk out of it, my mom said that I climbed to the seats and screaming, how do they film this? This <laughs> looks so expensive. So that's how I actually started to You pay were thinking about money.
0: the money at five years old
1: exactly. already. This <laughs> looks so expensive. Like, who paid to whales? And like ask him to open the mouth and walk out to two actors. Um, but my interest bends to money and film business more and more when I'm in a high school because I start to pay attention to what's popular, why it's popular, who investing that and why they're investing that. And yeah. I started to do researches and came across with multiple stories. For example, when Warner Bros. tell George Lucas that they don't want to own the merchandise right of Star Wars. I'm like, worst business decision ever. Things like that fascinate me. Now I'm using this for my benefit while doing my job. For example, at the moment, one of the best, the thing I love the most to doing is actually following the stock market because most of the streamers that we know and follow and actually greenlit the projects have stocks, shareholders on New York uh, York, uh, stock market. And if they lose money, they start cutting the stories they yeah. don't have confidence to the product they're selling. So I tried to like going the back door and understand how those executives make decisions to buy anything and try to inspire the people I work with to work towards that, giving that information. I feel like this is missing when we are doing pitching, selling in an industry to understand why investors, why shareholders, likes something or doesn't like something, which is allegedly affects the executive decisions to go forward with an idea or not.
0: Right. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You know, obviously shareholder value increases when the company profits and quarterly results are great, etc. But how do you connect that to art itself when you're talking to artists and saying like, you know, I'm in development and we're looking for things that are going to increase my company's value and you know revenue and all these things how do you what is the connection there between the two because people are coming up with ideas all the time
1: yeah so i also like pay attention to history that history has also been a lot and shaped a lot the film industry and what's happening around us and how people consume theater um movies or content i want to give an example at the moment we we are living in a post-pandemic recession high inflation Inflation area right now. Yeah. We all went through a communal trauma, and we have a tendency to nostalgia. That happened many times in the history. That happened in the World War II. That happened during the Cold War. That happened in 9/11. And now, for the people who are gunning letting show, it makes more sense to go with remakes because people want to watch what they watched before. Hmm. So they're going to invest money towards that. So I tried to find those details from the business stories, like business decision stories and uh, developments in history and make a um, assumption and give that assumption not to artists directly because artists not necessarily um, making business decision to go forward in the big studios, but the people in the leadership position. And those people is actually helping and inspiring artists, which way we should go or they come up with an idea we package it that way so it can be sold to the uh people who are actually giving the money or invest the idea so that's my role and i'm rookie at the moment i want to say that out loud i just started development but this those interests i have like stay hungry and stay like very curious help me to get that position
0: yeah yeah So, okay, so, uh, you know, what you just said is very interesting to me about the remakes, because, you know, I've never really considered it as a thing where people are drawn to nostalgia, because times are tough. And so they want to feel comfortable. I've always considered it as more of like, you know, profits are down, people aren't going to the theater, etc. So the big companies are, they know they have heavy hitters, and they're going to invest in those rather than a whole bunch of new ideas that might not uh, bring them profit, like the '80s, for instance, where the, you know every movie was being tested out, and that's where we have all these crazy gems from. So, you're you're continuously looking for insights that will help, from a development standpoint, create things that people are going to want to watch. Does that
1: make sense? Yeah, as much as I can. And again, like it's such a hard thing to do by yourself because I only coming from one background and one world perspective in Mm -hmm. ideal world in the studio or the studio i'm at right now i think that's a benefit we have multiple people from multiple backgrounds to put something into table and then we figure out one big idea i'm just the one tunnel not the entire thing i might be wrong i might miss some details that needs to be paid attention so another thing i think another um responsibility i have in my job to how those people has a voice It doesn't matter their position or if they're artists or the coordinator, they're coming from different background. They have some ideas. They consume this med- media as an audience as well. And whatever they say, it's so valuable. So again, I'm listening and taking notes and try to find or verify their idea in my research. Yeah, and That's how they help development and artists.
0: Interesting. Okay. So like when I was in the business world and I was like a market analyst for a vitamin and supplement company, like a lot of my job was to figure out what was trending in the US, numbers-wise, sales-wise in Canada, et cetera, what people are buying, uh, what flavors of things, and to come to like the the uh leadership with you know verified information. It's sales numbers, it's volume, it's it's you know, profitability, like act, like just raw numbers. When you're coming to the Like how, and then they would, you know, leadership makes a decision based on what they believe has the best numbers, et cetera. But when you're talking about artistic ideas, you know, how does that transfer to what you just said when you're, you know, you're adding voices from different areas, you're one cog in a wheel of people making decisions. How do you, how does it, how does the team decide on an idea when you can't really replicate like actual dollar signs from, uh, art, I guess. Yes, <laughs> that <makes> that's- that's-
1: <laughs> so when that happens, which happens every day, um, we really pay attention to story. If it has something to say, very important right now in this world, we try- start to dig and see what it goes. Um, before like art always support the story, but story is always the one that I go and analyze. And find a reflection in audience word and try to see how it turns to a, when I say money, it sounds very evil. I know, Um, but does that actually how the engine goes and if distributed equally and fairly is actually benefit everyone who part of this uh, process. But again, like when I pay attention to story and see how it reflects in audience, what make them feel, what it does make me feel. Or it doesn't make me feel what I'm missing there. I can start to see the potential in it.
0: But how do you how do you how like how do you take a story and say this is really connecting with an audience or demographic right now? How do you test that out? How do you because like, you know, as I'm somebody who likes to pitch. I have a couple pitches running around right now. And, you know, I have my own anecdotal reasons why this story connects with kids these days, but like I don't have any verifiable quantifiable evidence that this is actually uh, a huge thing like how do you from the development side of things go okay these stories are really in right now because are you looking at what is successful in the market and saying stories that tell xyz are really good I, like i don't know how do you how do you turn that so, into numbers
1: so it's hard to turn in numbers again those are all assumptions when we talk about the numbers we can only bring the anything recorded in the past and make an assumption for the future. Uh, but let's talk about demographic, because in end of the day, your show will meet a certain demographic. And uh, we like the idea, we like the story, and we're looking at demographic. So how our uh, team, or like this story, will meet with the audience. So the audience that we're appealing to, changing their platforms to consume media constantly. Like, it's such a fast-moving past trend to keep up with. It's harder to put in the numbers. For example, the youngsters are now watching more and more TikTok. Not even Instagram, not even Netflix, not even um, TV. TikTok. So maybe your show meant to be in TikTok then. Yeah. Was it successful there? That's, I think, the missing part of the pitching nowadays. Material should be tested out in the world to be able to talk about the actual numbers. But it determines by the demographic or appeal to. If your age get a little longer uh, older, sorry, they're still watching Netflix so or like Disney or streaming overall, then we try to understand what they're looking for in the character. Are, if they see something unique in this character, they can make a connection. So, okay, the connection is there, we're seeing it, but how are we gonna make it um, as efficient and budget friendly as possible? Then we go back to story there and we see that we analyze every single part of the story and make sure we need it in order to support our character, support our audience um, ideas about our character. So for to answer your question, we are, constantly analyzing the reaction of the audience and try to make an assumption it will gonna successful or not yeah sometimes the timing is not good for multiple reasons like for example we're going through a recession kids are feel not feeling or knowing about the recession but they're living in the post-pandemic uh, world and even they have some nostalgia and they want to see something already successful or all they're familiar with Hmm. Not even success familiar with, so the industry for now pivoting that way. That happened multiple times in the history. So my job is find those history parts and make an assumption for the future. Yeah. It's a puzzle. It's fun, yeah. but I wish I said that. Who is the number Terry? And this is how we're doing it. No, but I am trying to see behind those numbers. Because at the end of the day, yes, numbers, what we have and convince the people who make decisions, but it's the people we're connecting.
0: Totally. Yeah. Makes sense. You know, I I have a lot of interest in picking your brain on these areas because like my brain personally, I have the artist side that doesn't want to care about the business at all. And then I have the business side that, you know, only knows, only loves the numbers and everything. And I don't like connecting the two because they're very like two sides of my brain but like i know that in order to get things made i have to connect the two and it's kind of tough for me to do so sometimes so what would you say to artists who are trying to be successful with pitching very original ideas um but also considering the business side and you know because pitching something random and it getting picked up is such a big risk and it does happen and there are big payoffs but most studios are looking for something that's gonna you know be a heavy hitter or whatnot. So what would you say to artists who are pitching, but they maybe to connect the business side a little bit more to make it more attractive for broadcasters and studios to pick up?
1: My first suggestion would be to find a partner who take care of the business side of the project, but that might not be possible all the time. Um, The best way to advocate for yourself, learn the boring stuff learn the lingo, learn learn the terminology, understand the business, understand the stock market, understand um, how tax credit works, how grant works. This is a lot of work if you ask me for one person who's also doing the art. Um, That's why I said like the best way to find a partner. There's schools in Canada right now teaching people how to become producers. I got got that uh, education i would highly recommend to go and find those people on linkedin
0: hmm. and
1: try to um make a partnership work with them um going networking events like taffy one of them i think sparks in vancouver one of them um uh, film festival one of them to meet people who are also interested in business side of it yeah that's the best way to do i i think because For example i cannot draw i cannot animate or i don't even um understand which color works with what like not like i understand the business side of it totally tell something beautiful and appealing to me but i don't i couldn't break it down for for myself in order to create it from scratch so this is a teamwork uh i would highly suggest to find your teammates to play this game.
0: Interesting. I like what you said. You know, it's so easy to just go on LinkedIn, find somebody who's studying to be a producer and be like, hey, you know, I'm I'm doing this. Is there could we just meet and chat and see if there's a connection? That's great. Uh what you just said also popped a question into my brain. You know, when I'm I'm pitching to producers, I often find that they're not artists. And, you know, unless I have something animated or uh drawn out, it's very hard for them to imagine what I'm talking about. Otherwise, so are there any things that when you get presented with a pitch, you just wish that the artist included to make it easier for your life from their artistic perspective?
1: Well, there's two answers to this question. The first one I will kind of tell my uh, producer friends, coordinator friends, I think we should also do the quote unquote boring work and understand the artist process as Mm -hmm. much as we can. We don't have to do that. We don't have to replicate that. But for example, your podcast teaching me how people approach the process from their perspective and their position. I think we should do that work, first of all. The second of all, um, people in business are very straightforward and they always want to understand what you say right away instead of like giving a big presentation. First of all you're losing your attention and there's so many pitch coming and going yeah so many submission uh, coming and going and you only remember the things very smart and on point um that being said like you can even like dress like the character to come into pitching uh meetings one of them i'm not saying it's going to work but if you think it benefits it for sure oh. um you can even start the pitching somewhere it's not meant to pitch. Like it can be in a network event, it can be um, TikTok live show, anything. Because if the story good and your art is interesting and appealing and make producer excited, that's all we need to dig more. Um, that's that's why I said there's a two way to answer the question.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, needs to understand the process as much as we can because it's impossible to, you know, 100%. And the other side is anything memorable is sticks. So, so
0: yeah, 100%. So be super clear about things. Leave yeah. no questions or whatever. Um, you, you know, also, how do you... I guess I was going to ask, how do you stand out when you're receiving hundreds of pitches a year, potentially? Like, what? It, are there things that you wish people were pitching you right now that, um, you know, that may be left on the table because people just aren't considering these uh,
1: things in terms of ideas
0: yeah or, or well yeah for example
1: i don't see any like pitching for tick tock like,
0: hmm. like, like i was i was gonna ask you about that actually
1: i want to do a TikTok tock show there's a multiple reason that i understand why they don't do that like if you guys reading terms and conditions i personally do uh But again, there is a platform there that it can be benefit to artists, especially the emerging one. So I never come across any like pitching documents say that I want to go for TikTok, uh, for example, or I want to do a like story that we can start ideas on Discord, like the communication channels has changed so much since pandemic.
0: So you're actually actively looking for these things because my experience with pitching is like I've pitched a web series before. Nobody was interested because no studios do web series really. And they're like, oh, you should. The number one advice piece of advice I got from production studios was do a Kickstarter for yourself or just mm-hmm. put it on YouTube yourself instead of we're not investing in this. But you're saying that you would actually be interested if somebody puts together a pitch for a specific platform like twitch or discord or tiktok I, and did it in a smart way you'd be like yeah let's let's consider this investing in this
1: i would do that and like again i'm the rookiest person in my development team like the everyone else in that team is very experienced and they're all my mentors but the good thing is they value my ideas because yeah. um, i just become the development stuff I have some fresh ideas and those can be missed. That's why I'm saying the, the diversity is so important in terms of like race, backgrounds, immigrant, Canadian, because anything you brought to the table can make money. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm saying at the moment, I realize I've been seeing a lot of pitching, a lot of like uh, shows coming and goes. I never see who come to us and say, you know what, I have an idea that can work on TikTok or Twitch or Discord. Like, I want to hear that because I don't know how to do that. And it's interesting. It's memorable.
0: Totally. Well, there's tons of people, just independent creators who are already taking advantage of these things. Oh, yeah. I I
1: love watching TikTok animation. It's hilarious (laughs) if you look at it. The production value is heavily on the story and the connection. And the art is so interesting i'm not even saying it's beautiful no it's authentic it's ugly sometimes it's morbid but it's amazing i want to keep watching it um yeah. also i do understand like uh, how algorithm works and it can be very stressful for an artist to create content that frequently uh i wouldn't recommend that too there should be a middle ground honestly at the moment i'm doing a research about that like how we can make platforms working with algorithm heavily sustainable so for artist production um i don't have an answer yet but i'm looking for it
0: i mean yeah maybe a small team of just i know that um buzzfeed has i think they're uh oh gosh i forget what they're called but they have an instagram and tiktok series of just animated things as well they're like little blob people so i'm sure there's a production team behind that because it's quality every time and they pump them out so
1: they're actually creating channels through accounts that there are multiple animators putting their content on it and it acts like a channel
0: yeah yeah gosh wow um (laughs) i have so many questions and i'm my brain is just like what should i ask next um i'm just curious about like you know how what you think artists should know about the development side of things that we don't typically see i guess because you know there's a whole in studios there's a whole and people listening to this podcast right now are part of a pipeline um where they're just constantly producing art But then there's a whole behind the scenes of, you know, production, developments, selling stuff. Like, can you give some insights on, you know, how to sell your ideas a little bit better or when you're selling to broadcasters or uh, when you're choosing what to invest in next? Like, what are the thoughts that go through your mind?
1: So that's why I said that having a partner is very important because this is a full time job to manage those relationships. Uh, I think the thing artists are not aware about of the development is a lot of conversation, a lot of diplomacy, and a lot of negotiation. So sometimes mm-hmm. even the idea is so good, the timing might not be right. Um, someone in the decision-making process wouldn't like it because it's way too expensive what it's going to return. They completely seeing it as a business decision. So art can do so much about that. Um. I would say if the ideas are really good and are supporting that, it will eventually pick up when the timing comes. The question is, when's the time? What's the right people? That's why it's so important to put yourself forward. Um, yeah. I cannot compare my story, the pitching, but my entire career started pitching myself for the positions that I'm not even aware is available. They were all hidden job market opportunity. There was no LinkedIn post no indeed post i just simply meet people and here's here i am ask i can make your life better in this way and they decide to move forward with me yeah. i would recommend that attitude for pitching anything hmm. people connection people management and have negotiation skills help artists a lot to succeed in development area
0: um, yeah I'm, I'm just you know so to reflect back at that it's you're pitching an idea but you're also uh pitching yourself as somebody who uh potentially the right situation right. comes along they remember you i guess
1: exactly and i know and i work with a lot of good artists sometimes people can be very shy about what they created and oh yeah <laughs> it's hard to put anything in the world by the way i don't know how you guys do that and like, get a lot of criticism from different people who has no idea the suffer you actually been through in order to put that together but you still keep fighting in that part for yourself and make sure everyone else that you're doing the best and there is no one out there could do better than you yeah it can sound a little bit like i don't know annoying but this is how it works
0: well Coming from an artist perspective myself, I really don't like talking about my stuff because I put my stuff out there to be judged. And for me to judge it, it externally is like, uh, it's really difficult because that's not the reason that I created it in the first place, I guess, if that makes sense. You know, is there anything else that you think would be important? for listeners to hear about your journey in development uh you know from behind the scenes or you working with artists or somebody who's listening to this and they're part of the opposite side of the pipeline um I also you know you said you're a rookie but obviously you have a ton of experience and you're you're pursuing this and doing well so you know are there are there things that you would like to share that you think would be interesting for people to hear about what you've learned
1: well again like I think I just wanna like say that many, many times, listening is important for sure, but being hungry and curious helps you a lot in this industry because things changing so fast, it doesn't matter which part you are at. And um, to be in the community and share your stuff with the community is also help people uh, self-confidence, I I figured, especially with other artists. Um, That's also important. Isolating yourself can be very uh, inspiring and if you're introvert might be your comfortable zone but if you really believe an idea you need to tell the word and share with it I think you should put yourself forward first and advocate for yourself then we are starting realizing your story and want to do something about it invest about people like me advocate for it like I was like I really believe this is going to be great but I need to meet with you first Yeah, and that's I think the most important thing Um, also being authentic is the key it's so hard I'll see I hear you I had my own obstacles on that there were times that it doesn't work for me but against me but i think it's something you should like hold it tight every time someone question it because it will guide you in your yeah. career and take you where yeah. you want to
0: go and it like confirms who you are and and yourself and other people too i guess one last question i have as a follow up on that you know uh being an advocate for yourself is tough especially if you're an introvert what is something that really helped you be an advocate for yourself throughout your journey
1: um because I cannot be anything else. I had no other choice. Like no, I don't yeah. have to do that. Like I, if I want to end it up, what I'm really working hard towards, I need to be a hundred percent of that. I cannot cheat. I cannot act like I'm A, but act in order that things work, and then become B when I got that position. That wouldn't work. It's hard. I hear everyone. I validate, I can do the sanity check. It's so dang hard, nerve wracking, soul sucking, everything. But there's no other choice. Yeah. So instead of give up and surrender and think about what if every day, you just like step up, put forward yourself. I prefer to feel fear and like scared instead of feel regretful. I would recommend that. I prefer always fear over regret. Anytime.
0: Uh, That's that's pretty powerful. I fear over regret. Yeah, 100%. And like, nobody is going to advocate for you, really. And if people are, then I think that's really special. But yeah, you're right. Like, um, I used to have this false thinking when I was in my business career that somebody was just going to pick me up one day and be like, here's an animation job. And because... For what reason? I don't know. And I just had this like false hope for so long. And then I when I finally decided to like do things myself, then now I'm an animator. So <laughs> I
1: mean, I'm i 100 percent sure it was so scared. Right. At oh, the, yeah.
0: It was minute. terrifying. And then, but, but like, you know, I also had to dig inside myself and say that I have to do this no matter what or it's not happening. And so and something that has been struggle for me as well. Yeah. Every every time I meet some sort of success in my life, at least what I think in my mind is the goal that I was reaching towards. I naturally stop advocating for myself and I kind of just coast. And it's yeah. tough to find that new inspiration again to take myself to the next level. And I'm dealing with that actually right now. Um, because I, you know, this is my second year out of school and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what is my path going forward. And um, yeah, so I I I I definitely feel you, and it's a real thing. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering, you know, you know I, like a lot of. Sorry, I, I
1: didn't even cut you off.
0: No, no, it's fine. I
1: was just saying that we have a lot of common, like it people in this industry. Like, it doesn't matter where where we're working towards, but we all feel scared. We all yeah. feel vulnerable, insecure, not sure what's going to happen. Uh, embarrass ourselves. I embarrass myself, like many times like oh my god sometimes i'm thinking and i couldn't sleep and, but it worked out and it yeah. doesn't matter. no one remembers only i remember right. to give myself uncomfortable feeling occasionally that's it <laughs> so there's not this is not more powerful than regret i can take this every given time but i cannot take regret to something i never tried
0: 100% yeah yeah I, I 100% feel that and it's kind of refreshing hearing that you who you know you're not a traditional artist uh like an animator or whatnot but also have that you know imposter syndrome and and doubt and stuff too that's I mean it's refreshing but it's not great but it's it's nice to hear that it's not only just artists it's who as well. if you care about something and you're pursuing it I think I think it's a real emotion, anyways, you know, as we're as we're wrapping up here, is there anything else that you uh, wanted to share with those listening?
1: Yeah, so we were talking about advocating for ourselves. So I want to use this platform to advocate people back home in Turkey. You may have heard about that uh, we had two big earthquakes on February fifth and sixth. Um, a lot of people displaced like thirty million people. Uh, a lot of people lost their lives. And we're currently collecting some donations. I will share with uh, Terry the link. We can get every help you can give or every love we can get. I I want to thank you so much to give me this platform to to be here, your guest. I cannot believe that, actually. I have like a little starstruck, too, because (laughs) I was an avid listener and now I'm a guest. And I hope your listeners can learn something from me, how I learned so many things from your other guests.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, th- thank you for saying that. And also, you know, I, I think it's amazing that you I listened to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, as- Asla. Is that how I pronounce your name?
1: As- Asla. Yeah.
0: Asla. Thank you so much. You know, I'm, I'm super happy that you were a listener for a, a while and now you come on. I think coming full circle, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, thank you for sharing uh, the details about Turkey. I think it's important to uh, advocate for that as well. And I'll, of course, include those links in the description of this chat. And thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. You know, I've loved picking your brain about development. And I think I've learned some stuff. And I think other people listening are going to learn some stuff, too. So thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right. And if you're listening and you want to uh, reach out to Asla on LinkedIn, I'm going to include a link to that, as well as the links to uh, earthquake relief for Turkey. So thank you so much for listening. That's all for now. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.